0: Welcome to On the Porch, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to have Dory Freeman on the phone with me today to talk about her new album, 10,000 Roses. This is her fourth studio album, and it showcases an artist who has cemented an inimitable signature sound while simultaneously establishing her as capable of a wide variety of styles. Freeman is about as bona fide as an Appalachian artist can be. She was raised among a family of musicians in the mountains of Southwest Virginia, yet here she shows how multifaceted she is as an artist and how eclectic she is as a person, define and expanding notions of what it means to be someone from the region, a young woman in the music industry, and an Americana artist. Welcome to the show, Dory Freeman.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Always good to talk to you, and uh, I want as many people as possible to know about this new record, Ten Thousand Roses. It's so beautiful. So why don't we start out by you telling us what you want us to know about the album?
1: Well, this record, um, so I've I've done three previous records with um, Teddy Thompson producing, and so this is the first record I've done with someone else, and I actually did this husband with, I mean, sorry, I did this uh, record with my husband, Nick. Um, I asked him to produce it and so I just it just has a different feel than the previous three it's more um, electric and it has it's very drum heavy and percussion heavy um, which were all things that I wanted to try so it's just a different sound a bit of a different sound for this record
0: yeah I think that it is just um, sonically it's it it just goes in new directions it takes your music in new directions and I just I love the sound of it I love how eclectic it is I mean you can hear so many elements right you can hear uh, the Appalachian and the country and the blues and the rock and I even think there's a little bit of punk in there that we'll talk about later but (laughs) I mean when you set out to to make this album did you approach it sort of by theme or were you thinking more sonically or all those things? Is it just organic? I mean, I guess just tell us how an album like this comes into being.
1: Well, definitely sonically um, was kind of where I started from. I just knew that I wanted it to have like a grungier, not as clean, you know, not as polished sound as the ones I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just ended up writing a lot outdoors for this record, Mm -hmm. obviously because we were all in the middle of a pandemic and you couldn't go out, you couldn't go anywhere and do anything. So I spent a lot of time at home writing like on my back deck and stuff. Um, so I feel like a lot of, you know, nature and the stuff around me outside kind of wove its way into a lot of the songs, which wasn't really intentional, but um, it did kind of become like a, a theme of the record.
0: Right. Well, I listened to the album, I've listened to this album a lot, but I listened to it again this morning to prep for this interview. And one thing that it really was speaking to me is that, it to me, it's a lot about standing up to the patriarchy in all of its forms, whether that be an abusive man or the classism against Appalachian people. Or I'm just wondering if you would agree with that interpretation.
1: Yes, that is definitely something that I, and with my past records, too, that I kind of always have in mind when I'm writing. um, and especially this one with the song Appalachian, which is very directly about, you know, growing up in Appalachia and the stereotypes that people have and um, just like the misunderstandings that people have about this area and, um, you know, the accent. Like I often get, I get a little bit nervous when I do interviews with people that aren't from the South or aren't from the mountains just because of the accent. Because I feel like people have like a um, an idea in their mind of, you know, your intelligence level based on the way you sound when you talk.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's so many great songs on this rigor, but the one that I really can't get out of my head is uh, is that one, Appalachian. First of all, the embedded rhymes in it are so great. And I'm wondering if you were thinking at all about Hillbilly Elegy when you wrote that song.
1: Definitely thought about Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, it goes without saying that I'm not a fan of that book, as I would say, you know, most or at least a lot of Appalachian people are not. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to, like, show the other side of that um, and just I just want people to know that there's all sorts of different people here. You know, it's not just like one. I don't know. I think people have an idea that it's like Trump country or conservative country or very white, but there's actually like. So many different kinds of people, and um, I just I just want that to be known. You know, I want to draw attention to that as much as I can with my music.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are many Appalachians, and people tend to not understand that right. And you mentioned Hillbilly it's it's one of those books that non-Appalachians always expect Appalachian people to like, and then we kind of have to pop that balloon, you know, and, and let them know, no, we don't. Um,
1: yeah, it's a tough one to explain because yeah. people do really expect you to just automatically like it because it has the word Appalachian in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we played the song Appalachian earlier in the show, so our, our audience have heard that, and um, I'm sure we'll pick up the record and hear it more. Um, can you pick a favorite song on the album?
1: I have a few. is definitely in the top. Um I really like 10,000 Roses, and then I'd say probably if I had to pick a favorite, it would be I Am, which is actually the last song that I wrote for the record. Why's that? Why is it my favorite? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think because it came so easily, it was one of those songs that really just kind of like fell into my lap. Like I wrote it in one sitting and probably like 20 minutes, which doesn't happen very often. So the fact that it just came out so fluidly, um, I just knew that it was, you know, a song that I wanted to have on the record. And it was cool that it was the last one that I wrote because I had like a vibe in mind for the album at that point. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned that you produced this with your husband, Nicholas Falk, and he's such a talented musician, a great percussionist. He plays all over the place with so many great bands. And um, so first of all, what are the pros and cons of producing your own record? And second of all, talk about some of the joys and difficulties of producing an album with your romantic partner, as well as your musical partner.
1: (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's a trade off when you put records out yourself, because I mean, the best thing about it to me is that I maintain ownership of everything. So, um, you know, that's really great because then I can make decisions based on all that stuff versus being on a label and having to, you know, defer to someone else for certain uh, decisions. So I think that's probably the best thing. But it's also hard, you know, because you don't necessarily have backing for publicity or um, just, you know, financially paying for the recording session. So it's a little trickier in that respect, but I actually think it's it's worth it because you do maintain so much control when you do it yourself
0: right right
1: um and then as far as nick and i you know working together be, and also being in a relationship um we've kind of played music together from the beginning so i feel like that is one reason it's so easy for us to do both you know to live together and um be in a relationship and then also to work together which yes I know can be tough, but, um, we've just done it from the beginning. Like right away, he was playing music with me and we had a lot of musician friends in common. So I think it just helps that we're both in like the same, we have the same career, you know, so it's, we can relate to each other. And I mean, I really don't have many cons as far as that goes, cause it's always just been pretty easy to work with him.
0: That's great to hear. Well, seeing y'all perform yeah. together, you know, I think that when, when you see, when anybody sees you play live, I think you can see that connection and that intuition that is happening between you two on stage. That's really great to witness. So um, I, I want to I always encourage people to see you live if they possibly can. Um, well, as you mentioned, your last three albums were produced by Teddy Thompson. He's one of my favorite musicians. I know you love him too. And, um, besides being a great singer-songwriter, he has done really great work as a producer. And besides your records, uh, another album of, that he produced that I just love is the Allison Moyer uh, Shelby Lynn duets record. So, oh yeah, can you talk a little bit about working with Teddy Thompson? and um, I mean, he I'm guessing he was in New York City for most of that process, and you're in Southwest Virginia. and what was all that like?
1: Well, um I made all three of those records that I did with Teddy in New York, so, we would talk about him, you know, leading up to that with, with me here in Virginia and him in New York, and then I would fly up there and record them with a, a band of usually all New York musicians, um, but he was great to work with, just very encouraging, you know, especially to someone like me who at the time hadn't really done a lot of recording work, um, and I was very nervous about making that first record, and um, I was also the only woman and the whole scenario too. You know, it was like mm. just a band of guys and it was really, uh, intimidating, but Teddy made it very comfortable and, mm. um, just really tried to make me feel like I was in a space that was my own and could do, you know, what I wanted to, because they were my songs and, um, yeah, he's just been like a huge mentor for me and sort of like a brother relationship. Mm.
0: Would you say that you identify, more as a vocalist or a songwriter. Can you kind of can you choose between those things as far as if you had to pick one identity?
1: You know, I think about that sometimes and it's so hard to choose because I really do love both, but I think if I had to be if I had to choose, I would say that I'm a songwriter. Mm. I think that's the part that I probably enjoy the most because it's done in private and I don't necessarily love being on stage in front of a bunch of people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I interviewed Chris Christofferson one time and I asked him that question and he said that he absolutely always thought of himself as a writer more than anything. Mm -hmm. And for those same reasons, because it was about that time alone, that was the most satisfying part of it for him.
1: Yeah. I think that's really true.
0: Yeah. Well, we are talking to Dory Freeman about her new album, Ten Thousand Roses, here on the porch. I'm your host, Silas House, and you're listening to WUKY 91.3 FM. Well, Dory, you grew up in a musical family and a musical place, so tell me a little bit about how that shaped you as an artist.
1: Yes, yeah, so I grew up with my dad, who um, is a bluegrass and old-time and swing musician and He plays a lot of different instruments. Um, Primarily, he plays fiddle and mandolin. And he was always playing in different bands and playing at different festivals when I was growing up. And now he teaches lessons for a living. Um, And then my grandpa on my mom's side of the family is also a musician. And he's a pencil artist that's pretty well known around here for his Mm -hmm. depictions of Appalachian people. Um, And so I just grew up going to either art shows with my grandpa or music festivals with my dad um so i was just kind of always around it you know like fiddler's conventions and competitions and jams and at night and on the holidays um so that was probably my biggest and earliest influence as a musician
0: right and i mean you are from appalachia from a, a known appalachian family and so i mean I think that definitely comes through in your music. But like I said earlier, there are so many other elements. Like I said, I can hear some rock and roll. There's a real pop influence that I love in your work, the blues, just so much of that. So tell me about some of your other influences, you know, once you got older and started finding your own way.
1: Well, I think, I mean, honestly, I have to give my dad a lot of credit for that too, because he always made sure to play like a lot of different, kinds of music for me growing up. It was never just, like, one thing in our house. It was lots of different kinds of music, um, which I think, you know, gave me an, an appreciation for different genres pretty early mm-hmm. on. Um, so some of my biggest influences, Linda Ronstadt is definitely, as far as vocally, she is one of my biggest influences. Um, I love, you know, everything she's done, and mm-hmm. she's done such, like, a vast... uh You know, array of different genres, and it's just incredible that she has succeeded at all of them. It's pretty impressive because there's not that many singers that can pull that off. Um, And then, as far as songwriting and and vocally, um, Rufus Wainwright is a really big influence for me. I actually heard his music in a play when I was like fifteen. And just became obsessed with his work, and I've seen him in concert, you know, several times, and he's just been a, a very big influence. He's actually how I got introduced to um, Teddy's music.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know that you and I share a love for a pop singer and that sometimes people, at least, they give me a hard time about it. I don't know if they do you, but we both love Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Why do you? Oh lo- yes. Why do you love <laughs> Miley?
1: I think, I mean, I kind of grew up with Miley. She's a little bit younger than me, but, you know, she was on the Disney Channel when I was like a teenager. And so, you know, I just, I kind of grew up with her. So I feel like a, like a certain bond with her, I think. But I mean, also, I think she's done some great stuff musically. And, you know, she's got a cover of uh, a Blondie song. It's just a great, great cover. Mm -hmm.
0: She can sing. I mean, I love. She can. She can belt and One thing I love about her, is she really knows her musical history in a way that a lot of Mm -hmm. big pop stars don't seem to in the same way that she does. So I really respect that about her.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: Well, you've made a real conscious choice to stay in Southwest Virginia and not move to Nashville. Uh, Can you talk about that choice? And I mean, you referenced a little bit, you know, in being an independent artist, but so many people go to Nashville to sort of be in the middle of it all. And you've consciously chosen not to do that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is family and I, that I just really love being close to my family. Um, and that I also wanted to raise my own family here where I grew up. Um, cause it was very important to me. And I feel like it really shaped who I am as a person and I want the same for my daughter. So that's one reason, um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess part of it is just that so many people do go to Nashville, and I try to not do the same thing that everyone else does. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, it just wasn't the path for me. I don't love the city lifestyle. I, like to, I love to visit cities, but I don't mm-hmm. particularly want to live in one. Um, so, And also just, like, your, I think your footprint just as far as environmentally, it's so much smaller when you live out in the country mm-hmm. versus living in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of Nashville, one thing that, you know, is constantly under discussion there in the music industry is being able to label an artist, as, as you know, fitting into a particular category. And you, I think you're one of those artists that it's, it's really hard to you know put your finger on exactly how to how to label you which is what i love about your music and I, I mean i guess that a lot of those artists sort of get put into the americana category yeah how do you feel about that as a label americana
1: i mean that's usually what i um describe myself as because i you know obviously you get asked that question a lot when you're a musician of what kind of music do you play. Um, and I just I never really know what to say, so I just say Americana because I feel like it's such an umbrella mm-hmm. of so many different um genres. So I mean I'm fine with it. I do think it's become sort of a generic term that mm-hmm. almost has lost meaning a little bit, but um, you know, that's that's what I usually say. If someone asks me, I usually say I'm an Americana musician.
0: Yeah, I think Americana works because to me it's, it sort of implies, you know, an eclectic sound with many influences and something that's not easily just labeled as one thing. So I I, I do think it works that way. I often say that Americana music is also the really great music you don't hear on radio. You know, you don't hear it on commercial radio. Um, And in a way it's... To me, it's sort of elevated like above sort of mainstream music to some degree. Maybe that sounds, I don't know. I don't mean that. To no, s- I know. You, you know.
1: I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the music that I listened to growing up, or, you know, with the exception of a few people who were able to break through that barrier, um, you know, most of what I listened to was under the radar and not mm-hmm. not very mainstream, not stuff that, you know, people widely knew.
0: Right. I mean, you, I don't remember ever hearing Rufus Wainwright on the radio, you know? But he's oh, no. Yeah, the, definitely not. But one of the great vocalists of our time, for sure.
1: Incredible vocalist. Yes. I mean, the the layering that he does with vo- vocals is just insane.
0: And, and that's sort of one of the beauties of the Internet, right, is that we're able to find artists like that more easily than we were. Like when I was yeah. growing up, you know, we had like two radio stations that that was where all of my music came from, or MTV or VH1, and right. So, so now I feel much less, you know, I feel so much less limited, and the kind of music mm-hmm. I love is so much more accessible to me. So you know, as much as we complain about the internet, there, I think there are some good aspects of it for, especially for musicians. Yeah, that's
1: definitely one of the best things to come out of the internet for
0: sure. Well, I always like to know what. Um, my guests are listening to what music are you loving right now
1: i mean i listen to like a pretty wide variety of stuff but i and i'm also very late to this party but i've just recently gotten really into mac miller's music Mm -hmm. um which is you know kind of unfortunate because he passed away a Mm -hmm. couple years ago um but the stuff that he did while he was around is just incredible Mm -hmm. it's like the super weird combination of indie rock and hip hop and a lot of sampling um, of like Beach Boys and stuff like that. It's just this really cool, unique style, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. What about books? What's the last book that you really loved?
1: The last book that I really loved was one called Once There Were Wolves. Who's that by? Um, I think it's Charlotte McConaughey.
0: Yes, yes. Yes, I actually I'm reading that right now. I'm about halfway through it, and I cannot. Oh, yeah. I can barely put it down, and I love. I
1: could not put it down.
0: Yeah, and I loved her other book. It's called Migrations.
1: Oh, I read that one too. That's also fantastic.
0: Yes, I've been telling everybody to read Charlotte McConaghy. Um, both really excellent books. It's so so much going on with the you know environmental issues and. But it's also just action packed and beautifully written, so it fires on every. Beautifully written you know, too. Every piston. Well, what about? Um, are you already thinking about you know new song? I'm, I'm guessing that you're always writing and always thinking about the next project.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially like as an independent artist, I think you kind of always have to be on the hustle with that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm writing songs right now. Um, I might try to put out like an EP or, um, you know, something, a limited, um, song album this year, um, and then work on something bigger for next year. But yeah, I'm just kind of always working on stuff and then I hope to tour a bit. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's the other thing about the internet, right? Is that people don't think about albums in the same way and so there are more singles that are put out I guess and more EPs yeah people want that
1: yeah uh, it's almost just like a content competition
0: (laughs) absolutely well earlier I referenced that I I heard some Appalachian punk rock in here that I loved and and, um, the one I'm thinking about that is uh, I wanted to Can can you hear that sort of punk sound in that particular song or is it just me
1: no that, that was definitely uh, a conscious decision and in the studio we were all kind of joking that the vibe of that song was uh roy orbison on acid
0: <laughs> <laughs> i can totally hear that yes and, and other sonic moments in the album that i just think are so interesting is like that long introduction to the opening track get you off my mind oh yeah which it sort of feels like you're being i don't know transported into a particular sonic space. It's sort of, in a way, it's transitioning you from your last record into this new kind of sound or that, yeah. that great re- reverb that shows up on the title track, 10,000 Roses. Um, so, just all those sounds, I just uh, I think it's the kind of album that people should put some headphones or earbuds in, you know, and crank it up really loud and just. luxuriate in all the great sounds and the layers that are going in so well produced i think y'all did such a beautiful job
1: i mean i can't really take much credit for that nick nick really was at the helm for the production and he did a great job
0: thanks so much for being with the story
1: yeah thank you for having me silas
0: thanks for listening to the podcast of on the porch i'm your host silas House. This episode was engineered and produced by DeBron Thomas at the studios of WUKY 91.3 FM in Lexton, Kentucky. We are listener supported radio, and we thank you for joining us.